Well, hello, Hillcrest. Uh, my name is Fred Schmidt, one of the pastors around here, and we are so excited to have another edition of our podcast, uh, Together We Believe, as we supplement our summer series with that same title. And uh, each and every week, we wanna bring one of our own people here to share some brief conversations about how we can practically and tangibly apply what we're learning on Sundays to increase our, our experience and our life and joy with Jesus. And uh, as we've been talking about, engaging the mind and awakening the heart around these different concepts. And today we're here again with uh, David Bartosik, our lead pastor, uh, and we get to introduce you to Morgan McCoy. And uh, Morgan, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, about your connections around here at Hillcrest. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much for having me today. Um, sitting around drinking coffee and talking about my faith is one of my favorite things to do. Is so there anything better? I, there's nothing better. Um, so anyway, my name is Morgan McCoy. Uh, I moved to Wisconsin about three years ago during a really difficult time in my life, and I began attending Hillcrest uh, right away. My twin brother and my sister-in-law had been connected here to Hillcrest for a few years, and they invited me to Sunday service, um, which eventually turned into attending a weekly life group with them, and then that turned into becoming a youth group leader for our high school ministry, and now today I am actually a, a life group leader. Um, I was baptized at Camp Fairwood in the summer of 2018, right after I moved here. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I have been connected to Hillcrest. And we're in the middle of uh, this series, Together We Believe, and just working through some fundamental ideas of what our lives are anchored in. But we also understand there's this gap that exists between uh, what we believe to be true and what we experience as real. And this past week was on the human condition. And so maybe you could give us, you gave kind of a brief look into that, but being baptized at Camp Fairwood, tell us a little bit about this faith journey and what that was like for Morgan and through the eyes of Morgan. Hmm. And we're just jumping right in. Did you feel that? Yeah, I feel just, the weight for, of it. Just <laughs> in it. Um, yeah, from a really young age, I remember having big questions about life of who am I, where are we, what is the purpose of all of this, why does any of it matter? And so I think I was a really curious kid and I really wanted those answers. Um, I grew up in a Methodist church and then for middle school and then a Reformed church through high school. And I did, you know, VBS, Sunday service, youth group, kind of all the things. But there was very much this culture in my town, small town, Illinois, um, that you did whatever you wanted from Monday through Saturday, as long as your butt was in the pew Sunday morning, that's kind of all that mattered. And so I, I didn't really understand how, what I was learning of these Bible stories, how that was actually applicable to my life, or that the Bible actually had all of these answers to the, the big questions I was asking. So that sort of turned into, as a high schooler, wanting to kind of did follow my own heart, I would say. That culture sort of said, um, you can believe in God, you can also follow whatever you mm -hmm. think. That, that God loves you and that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. And um, so for me, that was, I just became a people pleaser. I, I liked the idea of not living this mediocre life. I didn't want to be boring, so I, I wanted to be successful. Um, and 
you know, that was, I was homecoming queen and captain of all the sports team and student council and just, I mean, it was exhausting. So by the end of high school, I did what a lot of college kids do and I was sort of done with being a people pleaser and um, rebelled against all of that and went to college and decided that I was going to do whatever made me happy, which was just numbing pain, mm -hmm. however I could. Um, drinking, you know, yeah, what, what everyone does in college. Um, and, and through that, I got to a place that was just, I mean, it just led to destruction hmm. in relationships, in, um, in my schoolwork, in, yeah, family dynamics. And I found myself at 27 in an abusive relationship in, I had started a business and I was just working all the time and this is endless pursuit, right? Of like a selfish pursuit. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I had reached out to my, my twin brother who had been saved in college. And I expressed to him that I was really struggling. And I, and I had come to the end of myself, basically, that I was sick of, of following my own heart, that it wasn't resulting in anything good. Um, and so he shared with me some verses and, and in a loving way was straightforward and asked, like, do you believe in God? Is, is Jesus the Lord of your life? And as a high schooler, I would have said, yeah, I believe in God. Like, why not? You know, that, that made sense to me. Um, but Jesus being Lord of my life, I didn't, I didn't fully understand what that meant, that the Bible actually like I said, had the answers to these questions, um, that God's commandments were what was best for me. It wasn't just that God being domineering and, and saying, oh, you got to follow these rules. Um, it was actually his commandments are out of love for us, that within these boundaries, if you follow what I'm telling you, this is going to lead to your best life. Like, th this is, like, stop betting on yourself. <laughs> Bet on God, right? And so I think I got to that point through my brother's counsel, through seeing the evil in the world of, um, you know, this abusive boyfriend, the drunkenness, the, the numbing of pain, I think brought me to, to that point of, I, I remember distinctly a night when I had locked myself in the bathroom, I was having panic attacks and my boyfriend was really drunk and I just said a prayer that God, like if you're real and oh. if what my brother says is true, that, that God will not tempt you beyond your ability, but he will always give you a way out. I said, God, give me, give me the way out. Make it clear of, of how I get out of this situation. Like, take it all. And two days later, I got a call from a woman in Chicago who was starting a nonprofit in Haiti, and she needed a seamstress to help teach sewing to women who were transitioning out of orphan care, and she was gonna start this company in order to um, give employment to, to these women, and we got on a call that afternoon. We booked a flight by the end of the week before we even wow. met. It was uh, absolutely, yes, I'm going. And I think that was the first time I felt God, the Holy Spirit working in me of, of this is what I have designed for you. This is the path. 
Can I ask you a question? Would you, yeah. at that time, would you have called it, oh, I feel this is the Holy Spirit that's moving me? Like, like take us back to where you were at yourself in those moments. Were, were you yet at the point of, you know, because we're talking about the sin we rationalize. It was the topic from Sunday. And so have you identified your that that lifestyle that you've been living? Had you identified that as, like, against God or just unfulfilling and destructive. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Where, where were you in that moment in that part of your journey? I think at that point I was still wrestling with, um, yeah, I knew that what I was doing was not fulfilling and I wanted a different life. I was aware of the evil in the world, but I had yet to understand that same evil I was seeing in other people was also the evil oh, in my own heart. Yep. So then in Haiti, I was confronted with my own sin that, you know, I met this community of believers who had nothing and were so full of joy and so hospitable and, and repentive of their, they realized that even that they didn't feel sorry for themselves, that, that they they realized their own need for a savior. And, and I was able to ask those big questions that I had as a kid to, to this community and they were answered um, through scripture. And, um, and there was one night specifically too that I, I remember we were at a house in Port-au-Prince and that where we were staying and right next door lived a voodoo priest. And at night you could hear the the sacraments, the chanting, the wow. just the pure evil. Yeah. And I remember laying there in bed hearing this and thinking, you know, my eyes were all open, my heart was softened to there's a real tension in the world and and I just felt it it's time to decide. Are you are you gonna go the will of your own heart or the will of God? And and understanding that that evil that I saw in Haiti, in the world, in my abusive boyfriend, all was the same evil that I needed to confront in my mm-hmm. own heart that was leading me down a path of destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're sitting on the other side of this going, man, preach, that is, you are not <laughs> alone feeling that, Morgan. That is, is powerful just to hear you process through that. And a realization, and Fred, you might have been going a different direction, but I go, a realization of the preciousness of life being made in the image of God as a daughter of the king. Um, t- tell us, tell us uh, how that shift began to happen in your life and, and the impact you began to feel as you saw yourself um, in light of that reality. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, ultimately being made in the image of God was the only thing that answered those questions I had as a kid. As a woman, as a creative entrepreneur, I, I always had deep feeling emotion and this sense of creativity, but I always wonder where did that come from? And so this idea of objective morality and that it comes from a creator, that I'm creative because God is creative. Um, and I mean, this, even my, my want, my desire to be hospitable and nurturing comes from God's design for me as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, in culture, this gets 
distorted in so many ways. Um, and I fell into that too of that our biggest problem is our insecurity, that we just need to be more self-loving or um, self-actualized or, you know, whatever they, they, whatever term they use, it's all the same. Um, and, and as women especially, I think mm. we feel this pressure to be an amazing mom, a perfect wife, have an 80 an hour work week and be super successful. And, and you know, the feminist movement talks about this. They point this out and, and that's true. Like that is a problem. But the part they get wrong is that our insecurity is not our biggest problem as women and as men, but specifically women are, are taught this. Mm -hmm. um, that our biggest problem is that we're dead in our sin. And that's the same problem for men, that, that you know, sin in that way is the great equalizer, that, um, hmm. yeah, that we, we don't actually have to stay mad and harbor resentment and be upset that the world demands that we are all these things to everyone. The Bible actually gives us a clear answer to this problem. And that's what I love about it is that yeah. like Jesus isn't asking us to, um, to stay mad. And, and he gives us this clear answer of we're, we're made in him, his image and that men and women are made of equal value, but he gave us different roles. So, so press into that a little bit with us. Oh man, this is, oh, I get who, fired who knows I where get we're fired going, up. Fred? But, but, but give, us, give us a little bit more on that in terms of uh, maybe how you see uh, in your story in yeah. God restoring uh, that image of himself in your life and maybe your prayer as you look around for, for other women in our community mm -hmm. uh, on how you, you would love to see his image restored uh, more broadly. What might that look like? Yeah, I think the more that you read scripture and understand that God is all powerful and all knowing and that his commandments are made for our good, I. I really think that that brings peace and rest, that as women, we don't have to be everything, that we can rest in his perfect design for us. And so that would be my prayer for other women, that they would um, seek his will over their own. For me, I, I would say, I feel like women in culture are told that we have to become men to be successful and yeah there is just a rest that comes with with knowing that we are made to be the helper and that's not that doesn't mean that it's unworth less worthy than a man that it's actually culture that has distorted the idea that the leader is the most important person um but when god says that he made woman to be the helper and that it's not good for man to be alone I mean, the word helper is the same word used to describe the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Like, what an honor to serve mm -hmm. the Lord in that way. And so I would say in my own life, that has looked like instead of chase, chasing success and constantly working and to try to maybe have like authority over my own life, I would say that it slowly has 
allowed me to um, be at peace in knowing that it's okay in my desire to create a welcoming home and to invite people into that space and to be hospitable and nurturing to the men in my life and the women and the younger women in my life as well, that I can focus on just that. I don't have to be all these other things too. So I think that people talk about rest in Jesus, but I think that's actually what it is, is that this ability to, to focus on, on the one thing within God's boundaries, it actually creates a lot of freedom. And it sounds counterintuitive because you're saying boundaries, you can do less things, mm-hmm. but it actually creates more, it, it, this ability to be free within that. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite verses is Matthew seven thirteen through fourteen, and it says the way to the path is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and few find it. And I I think that's an important one to remember of mm-hmm. that God's commandments that it does narrow the path, but it leads to life. It's it's a fascinating reality, right? We're we're going to develop it later in our series when we talk about the intimacy we crave. But it's a fascinating thing where we're told boundaries are not good for our life, and then yet, yeah. and yet, then when I look at any exercise curriculum, they want to put very strict boundaries <laughs> on my life in order to achieve a certain uh, yeah. look. And and they and and so it feels like this counterintuitive thing where, mm-hmm. in some senses, people don't want boundaries, and then in other senses. They want very strict boundaries. But, but tell us a little bit more, Morgan, just when you think of that, when you think of that rest. And because uh, you're a very, you're a strong, highly successful woman, an entrepreneur. And so we might perceive that in a way different than the way you're currently articulating. Help us see how you fit those together as a, a strong, dynamic, entrepreneurial, driven woman who I bought a, one of the clutches that you made for my wife. She loves it, right? This little Good. leather goods. Uh, to help us fit those two things together. I, I think that it really comes back to you know, when Jesus says to take up your cross daily and follow him. It comes back to the trusting that God's will is higher than my will. That knowing his character, that his commandments come from a place of love, that he knows me better than I know myself. And I understand this, right, as a creator, as a maker, an artist, that I intricately know that leather bag better than David does by looking at it, or even by Casey using hers, right? Like, I know why the stitches are where they're at. It's part of the construction of, right? And so, like, I, I think that it comes back to understanding the idea of that we are either dead in our sin or we're alive in Christ. That, and that's what I felt in Haiti, that there's no middle ground, that it, it's one or the other. And so it's, this is, it's not like it happens once and you're like, okay, cool, I get it. It's an everyday. And that's why I love that verse of it's a daily commitment to putting away the selfish side and in my own will to want to assert myself or, or whatever or try to be more be successful or, or seen as successful. I think that's more of what it is. Um, and actually saying, I want to surrender my life to what God has planned for it. Uh, Morgan, you've talked about 
you know, your, your struggle with the emptiness and, and the destructive lifestyle. You talked about then being in Haiti and interacting with people who found contentment and joy in God, not in things, because they didn't have what we had. And, and you've talked about then being, you know, made in the image of God and, uh, you know, daughter of the king. And, and so I want to kind of go back to that process from, from coming face to face with the reality of your sin against God and coming to that point of saying, oh, I am created in the image of God. Did, was that, in your experience, did that happen really quickly? Or was there a process involved? Were there, I'm just curious, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but were there aspects of like God's mercy and grace and forgiveness for you that helped you to understand who God was to help you then understand who you were in Christ as a daughter of the King? Yeah, I love that question. Um, early on in my faith, and in, in that season of wrestling, mm -hmm. I, I really struggled with the idea of God's glory, of God give, giving glory to himself. Because if we think like anyone we know, like if David's like, I'm going to bring glory to myself, you're like, this guy's a jerk. He's super prideful. <laughs> I don't want to be around him. So that idea of, of God's glory, I, yeah, I, I struggled with that. And I think that, that was a stumbling block to me coming to faith. But as I realized more my, my own sin and that I was in need of, of a perfectly holy, righteous, just God, I realized in that that it's all grace, hmm. that I, I don't really have anything to do with it, that even the questions I had at a young age, that curious mind, that was God's grace, that was God starting to pursue me, that the evil I saw in the world, that was God's grace. He was opening my eyes, softening my heart to that reality. And so, and, and even my, my ability to see my own sin mm -hmm. then eventually, mm -hmm. that it was this lifelong God pursuing my heart, me slowly mm -hmm. understanding more and more that my own will was gonna lead to destruction. And so in that, understanding more of God's character, I think, then allows me to, to understand myself more. Yeah. Right? And, and culture is like, says, you just need to know your own heart. You just need to pursue your own heart. But that's just this endless thing. Right. But actually, when we understand God's character, we then understand our heart, mm -hmm. which again feels like this counterintuitive thing. But that's actually what it takes to, mm -hmm. to understand yourself. And, and what grace, as you describe that, that God allowed your seeking after your own heart and your own pleasures and your own drive, whatever that was in life where you were trying to find fulfillment, he actually used that to help you understand mm -hmm. more about him which helps you to understand more about who he created you to be mm -hmm. in his image. Mm -hmm. And so he can redeem some of our past mistakes in a way that 
helps us to understand him even better. Right. And to understand other people who are in that same boat that I'm so grateful that he took me through those situations because now I can speak into the lives of of other believers or people who are yet to be believers. Um, And I actually understand what they're going through. And and that that was kind of the other question that popped in my head is what hope can you offer to other people? From your experience, what, what hope can you offer to somebody who might be listening to this who can relate to where you were and maybe can't relate to where you are right now because they're still in the midst of the struggle and in the midst of that pain? What hope can you offer them? Yeah, I would say to somebody who is wrestling through through those similar things that I was at that time, I would express the same thing that my brother said to me is that there is, there is a way out and that you won't be tempted beyond your ability, but that, that God will give you a way out of, out of sin, out of that temptation because he loves you and that it is a heart change and, and he, that his grace is enough for you that, you know, you're, you're not too far gone. Hmm. That yes, evil exists and it, it feels really big, but there is a God that has overcome all of that. And so even though you feel this void, this lack of harmony, this tension in the world, that there's an answer to that. And, it, and, and God wants you to be part of his family. Thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, We look forward to the next couple of weeks where we focus in on Jesus as uh, the Messiah we follow. And then the week after that, the, the gospel we proclaim, giving hope and joy in Jesus to the world. So tune in. Uh, We look forward to gathering together next time.